it's an arbitrary number thrown on a piece of paper because they don't want to do the legwork up front. And yep. what's this entire series about for, for you guys, for the homeowner? It's about doing your legwork up front. And if you're going to put the time in to be organized and get things done the right way, they should too. And here's why John and I like doing line item bids. It, it double-checked ourselves. We knew that we weren't underbidding a project and screwing ourselves right. in the process. That's a good, actually, that's right? a great that's So a great anybody yeah. who knows their business and yeah. isn't afraid to show you the detail is somebody you want to be working with. A lump sum number scares me, and it should scare you. You're at home with the cousins. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Home with the Cousins. We are running back through the project planning series. If you've listened to this before, it is definitely worth another listen. There is an absolute ton of information in these seven episodes. I would also encourage you to share this with a friend. Think about somebody who's got an upcoming renovation, wants to do a home remodel, and really isn't prepared to do so. Share this episode, share this series with those people. We really want to share knowledge here. After these seven episodes, we will be back with all fresh content. Without further ado, jump into it. All right, so today, budgets. We are talking about budgeting your project. I think that's the one thing that everybody gets nervous about, right? It's it's it is the one part of the project that it could just <laughs> blow things out of proportion. You say that, but I love it because you every topic we get to, you go, and this is the one thing that people get really. You know what? It's a construction project. It is. Every part is nerve wracking. True, <laughs> but when money when money steps in, that's when, I guess I should say that's when it's real. Yes, that's when it. That, that's very when true. The project is very real. Well, I think first things first is getting the quotes right. That that is the initial start of the process is getting the quotes in. We always say three quotes. We yes. want to get those three bids because it's going to allow you to really see if what you're estimating in your mind is actually on. We found when you get three quotes, you're going to get one that is either going to be way too high or way too low. That's going to be your outlier. The other two are going to be very similar. Now, depending on your project, if you're doing a larger renovation like a kitchen and a bathroom or maybe your, your first floor, they could be off anywhere from five to $10,000. That's where you have to start breaking down the bids and seeing what is inside of it. So before you even start that process, never, never go for the one that is the lowest. I know a lot of people like to do that. You throw it out, you get rid of it, and then you start really dissecting the two bids that are the closest. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting, you know, you're not limited to only getting three bids. You can get 10 if sure. you want. It's a lot more legwork for you. But three generally gives you enough of a cross-section that you're going to get a realistic number that, that, that is accurate. And at the end of the day, that's what we're going for is accuracy. And we say three because of what John just noted, you know, Sometimes all the bids will come in and they'll all be really close and be in line together. Those are three guys, three ladies, whatever, three companies that know what they're doing. If you do have one of those quotes that comes in high or low, that is your outlier. And that says, maybe this person 
doesn't have a good grasp of the job. You can feel free to go back to that person. If you really, if you really had a good vibe from them and you liked that person and you felt comfortable with them in your house, don't feel like you can't go back and say, hey, I got my three bids like I told you I would, and we'll get into the communication of, of that in a minute. But you know, um, you were the one bid that was really outside uh, the other two. I'm not going to tell you if you were high. I'm not going to tell you if you were low. That's not fair to the other people who were quoting my project. But I am telling you that I that I liked you, and I thought uh, you had good ideas for the project. And I felt comfortable comfortable with you in my home. Would you like to give that 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 bid another pass, and and you you know give that person another opportunity to to take a stab at it? Well, and I think when when you are dissecting the the big the bids, the one thing that people have to really realize is. The contractor shouldn't just give you a total price, right? It has to be broken out for line you. Line item by line And item. we've done that with all right. of our jobs because now you're understanding what the components are and how he got to that number. And that's going to allow you to make your own Excel sheet to really put side-by-side -side numbers. Well, and the other thing that's great about line items is that sometimes you, as the homeowner, will be the person that will be able to decipher where one of the contractors made a mistake. Because correct, the more, correct. right, the more yep. detail that's in the bid, you're looking at A, B, and C. A and B are pretty much in line all the way down. Then you get to, let's say, line item five or six. And contractor C is way off the mark. You can give them a buzz and be like, hey, man, you're, you're way off here. I, I think you might have been looking at something wrong. Why don't we take a look at the plans together? Well, but I think, and we've seen, right, a lot of contractors, I think, like, it's easier for them just to say the total number is X, whatever it is. But see, I disagree with that. I think that's... Or do you think they don't I want think, to show it? They don't want to... No, no. My, my opinion of that is that it's an arbitrary number thrown on a piece of paper because they don't want to do the legwork up front. And yep. what's this entire series about for, for you guys, for the homeowner? It's about doing your legwork up front. And if you're going to put the time in to be organized and get things done the right way, they should too. And here's why John and I like doing line item bids. It, it double-checked ourselves. We knew that we weren't underbidding a project and screwing ourselves right. in the process. That's a good, actually, that's right? a great, that's So a great anybody point. who yeah. knows their business and yeah. isn't afraid to show you the detail is somebody you want to be working with. A lump sum number scares me, and it should scare you. Yeah, because you do not want the contractor coming to you midway through the project saying, hey. This wasn't included. I, I screwed up. I forgot this. <laughs> and that's when you get into the change orders, which that's a whole other topic. But that's, that, a, that's a different episode. That's a different episode, of course. But that's why I think having it detailed and line itemed, you're going to – We've always said you always have change orders, but you will avoid yes. less of them because the full scope of work is there. Absolutely. And and beyond that, you know, the other thing that a line item does is if the total cost of the project comes in higher than you want to spend, you can pull out line item by line. Okay, listen, I'm going to get rid of line item three, five, and seven uh, because I can't afford to do this whole project now. And three, five, and seven, I can slide to the side, know I'm going to do this part of the project at a later date when I have the money. And guess what? We're not going through the entire bid process again. We're going to pull out the number from that, from line three, from five, from seven. We're going to, That's if it point. was done in a, in a spreadsheet, 
like like you guys are going to have, the total is going to update automatically, and you're going to see that you're going to now be able to afford your project without wasting the time of having to go back through the entire exercise again. No, I, I think that's 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 an excellent point because right? if you have it there, you really see what you can afford because it goes both ways. You got the contract. Well, and you know what? The, and on my screen, I had that was my my first note was be realistic with what you can spend. Yes. And and that's, look, guys, no, like, that's, like, that's, like, that's like, a huge point. Yeah. And like we always say. There's not a straight line here, so bear with us with the conversation because we do have to jump around a little bit because as you discuss certain things, it allows you to jump back to others. Why do I say that? Because you can't be realistic with what you want to spend if you don't know what things cost. But conversely, you know how much money you have. You have a finite amount of it, and you know what you can budget toward a project. So Yes, sometimes you're going to go and you're going to get a bid, not knowing what it's going to cost, but knowing what you can spend. So after you get that total price back, you then revisit what you can spend. You revisit the entire scope of the project, which is why John and I say a lot now, it's two step forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back, because these processes overlap a lot and you have to be willing to iterate in order to get to the to, to, to the final product and make sure you've crossed your T's and dotted your I's. And I think even if you look at us in, in, a, in a personal nature and projects that we've even done for ourselves, that's exactly what, what we've done. Like when I did my home, sure. when, I, when I budgeted out, there were certain things I realized I can do this, I can't do that. Same thing when we were developing any of our projects in the Hudson County area, right? We got our bids, we figured out, Absolutely. hey, we would love to do all this. But we itemized it, we had it laid out, and then we started crossing off things that we said that blew out our budget. We don't have that. Right. We don't have enough money from the bank. Yep. We if we run out of it, well, what, what are we going to do? And guys, you know, like there are a million options out there of tile, countertops, flooring, they all come in at different price points. So yes, we have the ultimate of what we want to accomplish, but then we have reality and there is a balance there. There's a lot of great... Um, ways to save money, and I and I don't want to get too far off track, but you know, value engineering a project, which, well, I guess is appropriate for this it episode. Is. Yeah, it is. So, value engineering a project is is after you get your initial bid. My father's going through this right now in the Heights, in Jersey City Heights. So he got his his bid for for a building that how he's many, building. How many units are they doing? I think sixteen. He's doing sixteen. So it's a sixteen unit building, and. It, the price per square foot, whatever it is, is too high. He needs to come in lower than he is at. So he's sitting with his general contractor and he's sitting with his architect and they're going through a round called value engineering. And that is uh, both of those professionals and himself making suggestions to change items within the scope that are going to make the project more economical for him to build. And you know, when a general contractor looks at a set of plans for the first time, they're bidding that project yep. based on what you have asked the architect to put on paper. They know there are options out there that are cheaper. Yep. So when that bid comes back, don't think it's the end all be all. Say, hey, guys, can you do a value engineering uh, round for me? What, what, where can I save money here? You know, now oh, the radiant heat might be a little too expensive or, hey, man, you got solid core doors through this whole thing wide plank floors yep. there there are ways to save money and still get an overwhelmingly great product that that you're really pleased with at the end of the day so definitely ask for that value engineering round. well and i think i think architects and and they should do this they 
you know, they do overbuild sometimes when they when they make the plans. We they overbuild and they have great design sensibilities. Of so you know, they want to. They, they want to build, you know, when when you as the homeowner are excited and you're yeah. asking for great stuff, they're going to spec it. And and I don't and I don't think that, you know that's that's a great way to save money because if you're just asking your general contractor to sit down with the architect and to come up with ideas that can save money on the project, it it only helps everybody. But it all comes back to communication, right? That's it. Right? I think I think it's the same thing that you've been we've been preaching it over and over and over. This isn't taking There's no a, straight line to the finish nope. and you got to communicate. Got to communicate. And if it doesn't mean you take the piece of paper and you say, "Okay, well, that's it. Hey, I guess it is what sit down, but have a real conversation." You don't I, I think I think guys the the, the point I want to make here is you don't just say to somebody it it, it has to be cheaper. That that's not the way to, to <laughs> right. do it, right? It's right. A, that's, that's not the way to do it because there's so many components that go into your project. It's it's not as easy as just say, "Hey, you got to take 15% off the top. I, I don't got don't do that." Like Anthony said, if you value engineer it, you take the time, you actually see the real cost savings. So I I think that's it's definitely going to behoove everybody to really just take that time and yes. go go through that process. So and and you know, on the idea of value engineering, the the flip side of that is change orders. And while we will get into the process of change orders in a, in a different episode and how to handle them with your contractor, the fact of the matter is they're a real thing. They're not always someone's fault. Um, they do just occur sometimes. When you have an existing condition that is not conforming to code, a contractor is required by law to fix those things. And you can't expect as a homeowner that they're responsible for the cost of that because they didn't have x-ray vision <laughs> to see through the sheetrock. Happens right? all the time. So people. with that being said, and I'm, I'm completely leaving out the fact that we all change our minds, that we find new products, that there are different things out there. And, and people change, wait, wait, people change their minds. <laughs> what, are talk, what are you talking what? about? What are you talking about? <laughs> um, we're just looking at, at the things that are unavoidable, right? So, with that said, a 20% contingency fee, people have different opinions on this, as with all things, 10, 15. John and I are firm believers in 20, and I think 20, depending on the size of your project, 20 can be light. Can be. Um, but, you know, 20% contingency fee. Now, what does that mean? That means the total hard costs for your project. So your general contractor's fee, your architect's fee, your designer's fee, those are considered soft costs. Those are not items where you're spending money and that thing is going to wind up living in your home. It's not a two by four. It's not a piece of wire. It's not a piece of pipe. So 20% of the entire hard cost of the project. So when your bid comes in from your contractor, let's say just for easy math, it's $100,000. You have to have $120,000 ready to spend. Not, eh, I might. Just yep. mentally prepare yourself. You will spend that money. That you're going to spend it. And then guess what? If you don't, whatever you're in the black, go out to an awesome dinner, grab an extra little piece of design, something that you wanted for the house. Buy some cool furniture. Right. <laughs> I mean. But expect to spend it and then be pleasantly surprised if you don't. It's, it's, about, it's about preparing yourself, uh, you know, giving yourself realistic expectations. And if you manage your own expectations – you know, you're going to be less stressed out as the project as the project goes along. There, I mean, in the hundreds, hundreds of projects we've done, there's never been one that there's not been a change order. 
or something. What's that- our record? What's our record? <laughs> our record. What's record? Wait, to, wait, 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 wait. Our wait. record for change wait for it. on wait one for project it. is somewhere in the ballpark of 25 to 30. I, I, I don't even know the exact number because I think once it gets over 10, you start to, to lose count. Um, but we were in the just the, the high twenties. I mean, it was yeah. it was unbelievable. It was crazy, guys, and and it was it was for no other reason than the homeowner could not make up their minds. No, they kept changing what they wanted. Believe it or not, the change orders wound up exceeding the initial contract, contract price. Amount. Yep, that's that's crazy. That's- that has never happened to me before that project, and it hasn't happened since. And you know that's. It, that's not the way you want to go into a project, and 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 really, that's the crux of why we're laying out this entire series for you guys because we want to help you avoid that. Because that person did not plan exactly properly. Right. We've talked about that. Exactly right. But uh, talking about uh, about the contingency, perfect example for for me even when when I was doing. Uh, a lot of work over at my home and we were putting in the new water lines, gas lines and doing all that excavation work. Okay. I had a budget line item for that, right? You, 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 you know, it's, it's going to be pretty high to do that. And I had a very long run to bring in the utilities into the house. Well, going midway through the driveway of getting to my house, we hit major boulders. Now, I remember that. That that uh, delayed you a while. Now, I can't throw now, you know, guys, what you have to realize is this isn't something that the contractor knows that's going to happen. He told me, we talked about it. We said, hey, could happen. I don't know about your soil. I don't right. know. There's if, it's, if it's a straight run, if it's easy, this is the price. Exactly. But if I hit, I mean, you, you, you go back to, God, this was even before you were, you were working with us. But uh, when, when me and my dad did our second project at 69 Franklin Street, yeah. the entire basement was bluestone. Entire- same with same with the project we did on Ogden when we when we when we dug out yeah. that that basement they wanted extra head height. Yes, that yes. was four extra weeks of chipping and cracking bluestone to get it out of the basement to, to get the person nine feet of headroom instead of seven. Because so they- for that extra two feet, they lost a month on their project. Wow, because they didn't want to compromise. Wow, and you had to chip away all that bluestone. Absolutely. Did you have to do? You used a chemical and expand it, crack it, and it was a nightmare. See those. See those are things. Those are things. You have to, and it's good to talk to the contractor ahead of time to say this could happen. These are pitfalls. These are areas where we could run the problems. And if you go into it with with eyes wide open, then it's not going to be the big like, oh my god, I can't believe it. Right. I, I never thought that this would this would happen to us. Right. So, Have the conversations and communicate, communicate, communicate. So, um, and I just want I just want to take a step back real quick. Um, you know, we told you get three bids from your general contractor. Guys, this applies to your architect too. So, you know, last episode, we were talking about planning. Um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, you don't just go and pick your, your first architect out of the box too. You have them give you multiple prices. You're going to want to, you're going to want to feel like they understand your design sensibilities as much as you want to understand a, a quote for the, from them for the project. Yeah. And then the third component is is a designer. Now that's that's an optional component. If you're comfortable and confident with with creating your own spaces and you have a good eye, you don't necessarily need to work with one. Um, what I would say is that it's worth interviewing them because de- designers of anybody, I think, quote um, in the most variety of ways. I, I guess I could say, um, and and by that I mean. For example, myself, I will generally give the person a flat fee, 
and then I will give to them all of the design discounts that I'm afforded. So I get 25% off here, 10% off there, 30% off here. And all of those discounts translate to my clients. And my goal for my clients, because I want to provide real value, is that I want the savings that my clients realize through my design discounts to exceed the amount that I've charged them so that they wind up saving total money over the whole job. So if you find somebody that prices like that, well, basically, the way I tell it to my clients, you're getting me for free. Free. It's a wash. <laughs> it's a wash at the end of the day. And if you can get me for yep. free... To have a little bit of extra expertise and and when you have those questions and that unsurety, you know, it, it's really a good peace of mind. You have the same design sensibilities, you have the 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 added bonus of these discounts, you know, it's really worth um it's really worth exploring that with with uh with a few different designers. You know, one thing I I, I want to, you know, kind of transition over to is, you know, we talked about of course you you get your bids, you pick your bid. You have the conversations about the pitfalls, areas where you maybe could go over in the budget. You get the conversations of change orders out of the way. I think the one thing that we've we've been getting a lot of questions like this is, well, once I get all that set, right? How much of a deposit do I actually give? Great segue. Wait, wait, how do I, you know, na- sure. now, now, so okay, the pay- it's basically it's called a payment schedule. It's called a payment schedule. So now everybody said, okay, we 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 agree on it. How much? Do I start off? Because, look, a lot of people have been there. You give a big deposit, the guy doesn't show up, or they don't come or they yeah, don't come to the job. Listen, we just finished a, a home show in Florida not too long ago, and I, I don't know what's going on Florida. down there. <laughs> Florida's in pro- Florida, problem. we feel for you guys. Thanks for all the love and for, for asking us to come and build down there. Yeah. But apparently a lot of contractors uh, take the money and run, if you will. Well, I, I think it just comes down to you know when you give that big of a deposit – Look, it's it's tempting and it can it can happen and I don't know I, that's just a scumbag. It move. is it is it is a scumbag <laughs> move. But but I will say this, guys, we always say twenty percent. That's the most. That's really the most. It depends on the size of your project too. Yes. Of course, the smaller the the, the project, the, the less amount of money you're not going to be doing that. So we're talking a medium sized project, anywhere from fifty to the seventy five thousand dollar range. 20% to start off your project for him to start buying materials, there's no problem with that. And I think the biggest thing, this is what we learned because we used to do this where we used to do it in three payments. You do kind of an upfront payment. You do a payment when uh, the the, The uh, the rough inspections and then your final inspections. That did not work out well for us at all. And we changed it fast when we were doing our general contracting company. And what we learned was weekly payments. It keeps everybody honest. Nobody gets ahead of each other. So the homeowner doesn't feel that he's gave the contractor way too much money and the contractor's ahead. The contractor doesn't feel like I've done so much work and I haven't gotten paid for it. It keeps a nice balance. Absolutely. And guess what? Contractor doesn't show up on that Friday. Well, he's not going to get his check and he's not going to keep getting paid. Yep, that's a great point. And and guys, please remember, you know, all of this stuff is up to the discretion of you and your team. So the payment schedule, there's no set no. hard and fast rule. There's nothing that's that's uh, legally required in that sense. You guys need to communicate and decide what works for each of you. And and to John's point, you know, it's a little more legwork on your end. 
But whether it's weekly or every other week, whatever you guys are comfortable with, whatever you guys discuss, keeping each other where no one feels like they're getting too far ahead of the other person just keeps everybody sleeping well at night, keeps the management of expectations where they need to be, and it keeps the communication window open. And it's it's always goes back to communication, 100%. Well, because we've been on, on the other side of the coin that I just explained. And and guys, in all honesty, any contractors that are, that, that are listening to this, look, we, we get it too. We've been there where we've been so, so far ahead of our work. We weren't getting paid for it. So, you know, there was, uh, you know, 35% still left on, you know, on the payment schedule and the project was over 90% finished. Well, our cash flow was really hurt. And if you're doing a big project, that can cause a lot of problems. So, again, it just keeps everybody honest. And Ant, you made, I think, the great point. It doesn't have to be every week. It could be bi-weekly. It could be, it could be yeah, once look, a month. It's what really makes everyone comfortable for their situation. Correct. And, it, you know, we're giving this by way of example, and I think you did a great job illustrating it, but I just want you guys at home and everybody who's listening to understand it's, it's, it's fluid. But what I, what I do want to convey, when I say it's fluid, it's up to you guys to, to decide how you want to do it. But you put the payment schedule in writing. It's an addendum to the contract. It's signed by both parties. And once the schedule is set, it doesn't change. You adhere to that schedule so that, again, the expectations are met. We, we, we wrote them down. They're in black and white. We both understand how it's going to be handled, and, and it's in writing. And that's, that's, you know, that's the key, crossing T's and dotting I's. Well, and, and what a lot of people have to realize, even – you know, they might say, oh, well, it's just a construction project. It doesn't have to be that, that professional. Guys, doing it this way, having the contracts. Small writing, or large. It doesn't matter. Yep. Why? Because you are protecting yourself. Because you don't want to get in the spot where the project is halfway through and you say, oh, we didn't talk about that or we never, this wasn't in the contract and now the contractor doesn't want to do the work. You're doing all this to protect yourself. And contractors it's to protect you at the same time yeah. everything it goes both ways so you have the transparency everybody's on the same page and everybody can just work and get it done as fast as possible and I'll you know and I'll say that that you know not all contractors who don't do these things they're not all bad they just they just might not have enough office staff yep. they've never done it before they've always held true to their word but the more we travel the country and the more we hear horror stories, that it's really the whole impetus for this podcast because we want to get the conversation started. And I think, you know, educating you guys as the homeowners to say, listen, bring this up to your contractors. You're going to wind up helping them out and they're going to they're going to have a good experience, too, because you guys are managing each other's expectations and you're keeping that communication window open. And it, it, it's really all that it's about. There's there's so much on both sides of the coin that people people don't relate to the other side. If you just talk it out, it, it saves so many headaches. And by the end of the job, you wind up you wind up happy to recommend the contractor to the next person instead of being like, get out of my house. I'm so happy this is over. There's no reason you can't get to the end of your project with a smile on your face. Well, well, and I think, you know, traveling the country, doing the shows, doing private projects, 
the one thing we always do, the conversations we always have with all these general contractors at the start of the project, that's the only reason why they get done so fast. Because everybody's so open. We, we, you know, we, we bring our contractor together. We say, yep. hey, guys, look, we know there's going to be problems. We know there's going to be issues. We want to talk it out with you. We are here to get this done as fast as possible. Right. You know, when we do the show, sometimes it's three days. But we are, we are there to work as a team. And if everybody's on the same page, that's when it gets done for the price, sometimes cheaper, and it gets done faster. Absolutely. Um, so I'm just going to back up a second and just really re- recap what, what we talked about. So we want to be realistic with what we can spend. Yep. And you're going to do that through iterating on, on the budget as you, as you work through it with your uh, architect and your general contractor. You want to create your own spreadsheet, regardless what these guys give you in bid format. You're always getting a line item budget. Or I'm sorry. You're always getting a light item bid. You're not accepting lump sums. Strongly encourage at least three bids. Feel free to do more if you want, but get three bids. That's the easiest way to, to, to really tell what, what the project should be priced at. 20% contingency fee uh, for emergencies and for nonconformity of code issues. Um, and uh, consider working with a designer um, and, 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 uh, and getting the benefit of their design discounts as well. I think that's, that's everything we've covered so far. Everything right? we talked about, we talked okay. about the deposit of, of 20%. We um, talked about deposit and we all, and then, and then we also talked about payment schedules. And, and I, I would like to say this, you know, we, we got this question a lot and we've been getting it around the country as well. You get into, of course, the deposits we talked about doing maybe weekly, bi-weekly payments, but something that I like and, and I think can work well is doing a cost plus job is really, if you're going into it, and, and guys, uh, so a, a cost plus job is you are telling the general contractor, now he's going to be getting bids from a number of subcontractors. He has his electrician, he has a plumber, he has carpenters, he has painters, um, he has flooring guys, he's a tile guy. You have a, you have a very large team. You tell him, get me all of the bids. I want to seal the bids, and all we're going to do is it's going to be twenty percent on top of that, and that is the, their profit. Well, that's your and and by the way, the twenty percent is a suggestion. Obviously, okay. contractors work for more; they work for less yep. based on their skill set, size of the company, speed of the job. But again, John's illustrating a, a, a very good point here. So uh, you know, I like doing you know, and and cost plus is actually done on a lot a lot of commercial jobs. Because it, you run out of those pitfalls of going over. If you're in a commercial job, you only have a certain finite uh, amount of money. So this is a good way to really see those actual bids. And you're knowing that the general contractor isn't getting these really low bids from his subcontractor. And maybe he's putting 50 60% on, on top of it. Very true. Very true. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give one argument to, to, to the contrary just, just to give you guys something to think about. And and John's right. It is done more on commercial jobs, and I feel like that's because these are guys that are very comfortable with the process, and they go through these plans a lot, and they're and they're used to they're used to uh, the details that are on a set of drawings. Here's one of the pitfalls of doing cost plus. There's no hard and and set number as a total. So if the contractor gets a cost, you the homeowner get that cost with 20% added to it as his charge. So if you have a, a, a smaller job or it, does, it doesn't even really matter the size, um, 
But if you if you just get a, a job straight bid out, well, yeah, you know what? Maybe the contractor's profit margin is a bit higher. But at the end of the day, if you can afford that total sum of money and you have peace of mind knowing that that is the end-all, be-all number, you've got your 20% contingency, then you might be sleeping a little better at night knowing, okay, this is it. So that's just one argument for going a traditional bid route, but it is definitely worth asking your contractor how they feel about cost plus. I was just going to say, it's asking. Look, that's, some some con in all honesty some some private guys might not even know what cost plus is I don't you know I, I don't know I mean you and I we we've been doing this long enough we know the commercial side we know the private side this is a suggestion for everybody at home just to see it could it could in the end it could save you some money you could have you could have more transparency through that bid but this is something definitely to ask. And see if your contractor knows how to do it and if, if they can't offer it to you. Absolutely. Um, as we're winding up here, we're going to... Uh, the next topic I want to touch on is something we probably should have started with. Oh, here we go. <laughs> what? Uh, no, it's it's bid iteration. And, and, and that simply means that... the. The bid is not done all at once. Now, we've talked about getting a bid from your general contractor and then going back for a second round of value engineering. Well, before you get your... your before you get your uh, detailed bid from a general contractor, if you're looking to try and jumpstart the process and or you know you really don't know a general contractor and you're trying to suss out a, a few different guys and figure out who you really want to bid this thing, you can take an early set of construction drawings from your architect. They're going to be early. They're not going to have all the details on them. They will have the general you know, layout of where the new walls will be and the old walls will be down so people can can do takeoffs on square footage. And what the contractors will be able to do is provide you a ballpark bid. They will not be able to say, this is going to cost X numbers of dollar and cents, but they're going to say, well, you're going to be in this kind of range. So in doing that first round of bidding, it allows you to, to maybe weed out some guys who are not very good communicators. So on a, on a ballpark uh, round, you know, maybe you want to go with five guys or six guys expecting a few people to drop off or not get back to you. The project's too big for me. The project's too small for me. There's a million reasons. So sending out an early set of plans is a good way to see who's communicating with you, um, their communication style, and, and just, just getting that relationship started. I will say that you have to have that set of plans, right, John? Yep. In in order in order to in order to even start that conversation, calling general contractors and saying, "I want to do a renovation." I, I'm thinking. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking right now. I don't know. I cannot tell you how many people have called our office. It's tough. And and they say I you can have, feel their excitement. I'm excited for them. Yeah. Hey, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to take down some walls. I know everyone wants to get the, the sledgehammer and just go at it. But look, just saying, hey, I got fifty thousand dollars to do a kitchen, guys. That means nothing. Yeah. That, I mean, we I, don't know what your house looks you, like. We don't know the dimensions. I mean, you don't know anything. I mean, yeah. I, it, it's it, look. It's the same thing as if you were going in, into a surgery, right? The doctor has to evaluate you first. He's gotta. He's gotta take X-rays. He's gotta take blood. They work. don't. You don't just walk in and they cut you open. Hey, man, <laughs> let's go. I'm ready. I'm ready to fly. Like, I mean, you know. And, That's a good analogy. And at the same time, That's a good analogy. It, but let's think about this. 
would you want a heart doctor coming and say, hey, Ant, you know what? Forget the blood work. Forget everything. Let's just I'm yeah, going right into open. it. Cut it open. Let's just go. I'm no, going to see if those exactly not, right. You would never. You just like you prep for surgery. You would never do that. Right. You you want to you want to prep for a successful home renovation. You, you would so, never do that. Yeah. So uh, as much as we probably should have touched on that at the beginning, uh, got a, but, a good laugh toward the end here. But hey, it's the dance, right? <laughs> it's the dance. This is this is it's this, the zig, it's the zag, buddy. This is the dance because it it is, guys. I I think. You'll see, you know, listening and hear us talk about this. It's such a fluid process that you're never going to follow it exactly to the T every single time. One, why? Because every project is completely different. They're completely unique to themselves. All contractors are different. All architects are different. All homeowners. Are All different. homeowners are different. So this is this is going to be a fluid process, and you're taking parts and pieces of this and you're fitting it into the way you want it to run and the way you want it to really work. So the the I think the last thing unless you have something after this, but the last thing I had in my mind that I wanted to talk about was um looking at your finished materials. Yep. Right? So you know, everybody gets wrapped up and rightly so getting picking the team, getting the general contractor there. Um it may seem a little early to be saying, I want this couch or I want that dining room table or I, you know, I want this backsplash tile. But guys, you know, it all costs money. And, and, I, and I know everybody knows that. I mean, you know, it, when, you're, when you work hard for it, it and you're going to spend it, you, you know it's going to cost money. So it, it's worth trying to get at least ballpark numbers for every category. By that, I mean, okay, I'm, I'm doing my dining room. Well, I'm going to go on to Restoration Hardware or Crate and Barrel or West Elm and just see what dining tables range for. And I'm going to and I'm gonna pick an average number. If it's 2,000, it's 2,000. If it's 500, it's 500, whatever your price range is. But put those things in there. Backsplash, okay, well, you know your backsplash is going to be 18 inches high. So you take your tape measure and you... And you run it for however many feet. If it's if it's a ten foot run, if it's a twenty foot run, and then you go and pick a tile at a store, or you go online very simply and say, "All right, backsplash tiles ranging from anywhere from two dollars a square foot for Subway up to gosh, sixty dollars a square foot for semi precious stone." Yep. You guys figure out what neighborhood you want to be in and put and put a placeholder number in the spreadsheet. That way. You're not going to be surprised when it comes to the end of the project and you've got these last few things because, guys, in a construction project, 80% of the money is inside the walls, is the stuff you don't see. It's the last 20% that you're excited about that comes at the end of the job and we want you to have the money to get what you want to get. Great work, Ant. Great, great work today. thanks, pal. Great great work. That was a good one. You sound great. (laughs) You You sound great. (laughs) Guys, until next time, you are home with the cousins. We will see you back on the interwebs. Bye, guys. Later. Hey, guys, real quick before you go, we just wanted to say thanks for listening to the show this week. And if you have a second, please subscribe on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. And share the show with your friends so we can keep growing this great community. Remember to check out homewiththecousins.com to read our show notes from this episode, see past episodes, download our free renovation document package, or just to send us a note. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Carino Anthony and at Culinary John. Our show is produced and edited by yours truly, with original music intro and outro created by Steve and Joseph Padula. I'm Anthony Carino, and thanks for listening.